Welcome to episode 31. This episode's all about boundaries and I have a special guest. Her name is Georgia. You can find her on Instagram at The Raging Therapist. And Georgia and I are going to be doing a workshop on boundaries where you can come and figure out all your boundary issues. You can look at what's not working, what needs to change. And we really talk about the nuance about boundaries in that workshop and in in this podcast episode. So the workshop's only $25. The first one is going to be virtual over Zoom on August 30th at 7 p.m. Central Time. And then we're going to do an in-person one in Regina where I live. And that's going to be on September 9th in the morning, and it's also $25. So if you want to sign up for either of those, send me a DM on Instagram at Relationship Anxiety Coach or send me an email. You won't regret signing up. It will be amazing. We're going to limit it to 20 people so that you have a chance to ask any questions you want to ask and can get some one-on-one attention from us. Okay, so this episode get ready. It's really going to shift how you think about boundaries. And it's going to be really fun just listening to Georgia and I have a conversation on boundaries and asking questions about how does it show up and common questions that clients have. So get ready. So today I have Georgia with me and Georgia, why don't you introduce yourself? Yes. Okay. So hi, I'm Georgia. Uh, I'm a therapist, which is why I guess I'm on here. And, um, I'm from Saskatchewan originally and now live in BC, which is amazing. And I am really excited to talk about boundaries today. Yeah. So, so Georgia and I are going to do a boundary workshop in Regina in September, and then we're going to do a virtual one too. What do you think are, well, let's start. What do you think a boundary is? If you had to tell someone what a boundary is, what would you say that a boundary is? Ooh, I would say that a boundary is, a way to control and protect um, what comes into our space. So um, things like what we allow into our space, so how we allow people to treat us, what we allow into our physical space, how we protect our mental energy, our even our physical energy. It's all about sort of managing what comes into my world and how I'm going to interact with whatever that thing is that's gonna come into my world. Yeah. Okay. So I like how you said that it's about protecting yourself because I definitely have struggled and not had boundaries. And we've talked about this. Like I've done therapy sessions with Georgia and that's been like a really big learning for me. And I think part of it is that I didn't know, like I was so focused on the other people that I didn't think about me and protecting me. Like it was always about like them and what, you know, what do they want? And like, how do I, I think too, where we, where we mess up boundaries is it was like, I didn't know I was doing this, but it was like, how do I get them to be how I want? Yeah. Ended up with me not having any boundaries basically. Right. Because I was so focused on like, if I show up a certain way, can I get them to just be how I want? So then that I'm okay. Yeah. Instead of like me just looking after myself and being okay. Like I didn't, I wasn't aware of how to do that really. I think. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, most people think of boundaries or I, you know, when I run into this a lot in my work, people think of boundaries as a way to control other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, and so, and then people don't want to be controlling. So they think they shouldn't have boundaries because they don't want to be controlling. And I think um, a really beautiful example of that was that Jonah Hill thing that came out where he had like sent uh, his girlfriend all these messages. Yes. And 
you know, it was kind of like, it was such a beautiful, it's like such a horrible thing to happen, but such a beautiful example of like what boundaries aren't, <laughs> which, you know, are not boundaries are never about controlling other people. They're always about like, no, what's, you know, what's okay for me and what am I not getting? And um, I think, I hope that people are talking about that more because yeah, we're kind of raised with this idea that boundaries are about controlling other people or they're mean, you know, or, or people are hurt by them. And it's just my favorite thing to say to clients is that the only people who will be angry about you putting in boundaries are the people who are benefiting from you not having any. And, and that's, that's not okay. <laughs> you know, if someone's angry about you putting in a boundary, that should be something that you pay attention to because then they're obviously benefiting from you not protecting that personal space. Yeah. Kate, can we talk about the Jonah Hill thing? Cause I think that's a really good example of like, how do we like with relationships, it's like, how do we have these like standards or like things that, you know, we want in a relationship and, and actually use boundaries instead of just being controlling. So I read a little bit of his messages and he was dating this, like uh, a pro surfer, I think, right. Was the woman. And so he had said in the text mess, he had said in the text messages um that he wasn't okay with her posting photos of her in bikinis on Instagram and then that was kind of like his boundary but how like how do you navigate when what if you really aren't okay with your partner doing that like what how do you navigate that right if if I was like him and I'm like I really don't feel comfortable with her posting bikini photos how what do I do like when, how is that a boundary and how is it, you know, like, I think this is where it gets murky because he was definitely trying to control her, but like, how do we do that in a healthy way? What do we do? Well, I think that there's no probably healthy way of controlling other people, but, um, <laughs> right. But, no, totally. Yeah. But that's where it's like, then what do I do if I'm really not comfortable with something, you know, yeah. and the bikini photos was like, maybe, you know, it's not the best example. Cause that's literally her job was one of the things that were pointed out. And it's like, you know what you're getting into. But I think I've done this in relationships where you get into a relationship and you're not okay with some of their behavior. And you're like, well, I don't know what to do because I don't want this relationship to end. What, right. you know, like how do, how do you set boundaries then? So I think it comes really down to communication because the boundary isn't for him. The boundary is not, you know, he's like, oh, my boundary is that you don't post bikini photos but that's actually a boundary you know what he's calling a boundary that would be controlling her behavior mm -hmm. so the for him is is deeper than that because it's it's sort of like you know it's again a boundary can't be controlling about controlling other people's behavior so he doesn't get to say um you can't post bikini pictures that's a boundary of mine I would explain you know I would want to explore like what is him like what is her posting bikini pictures why does that bother him Right. And, and coming back to what's going on for him that, you know, her posting bikini pictures, which is literally her job, you know, yeah. like her aspect of her job, that would be like someone being like, don't post therapy videos, Georgia. Yeah. You know, um, there, for me, there would have to be a deeper exploration of, okay, so what's going on for you when you see her post a bikini picture, is it like, is it insecurity? Is it jealousy? Is it fear? Do you not feel stable in the relationship? You know, is it something really like a layer deeper where it's like, well, don't, do you not feel worthy of this relationship? Do you not feel like you deserve? And that, and so the behavior that's coming to the surface is about trying to, you know, 
make sure that you don't lose the relationship by making sure she has no other options like or whatever you know yeah for me the key is not just putting in what he calls a boundary which isn't at the surface and then calling and trying to control her behavior because that's also never going to work if the deeper issue of why Mm. her behaviors aren't posted is not addressed he will continue to just sort of flail around with surface stuff that shows up instead of being like why don't I feel like you know my partner can show off their body which is just a body I think that's so huge what you just said because I like I see that a lot where they're worried about you know like he's not texting me back quite enough or like you know, he like looked at another girl and we wrote like really, really surface level stuff or even stuff in the house where it's like, well, he didn't take out the garbage. And like you said, it's not, you're never going to solve it at that level. Like it's always something deeper and you have to figure out. And I think that's the hard thing is it's easier for me to tell someone, well, don't post bikini photos. Yes. And to look like it takes so much work and so much skill to look at like what's going on with me. Yes. And that's the other thing is like, I, you know, we can't change the behavior until we know what the function of it is. Mm. You know, it's hard for people even to consider to even have the moment to think, well, why is this bothering me? Instead of, I just want it to stop. Right. To be curious about the feeling instead of just being like, I just need this feeling to stop. Because, you know, if the feeling stops, then I don't have to address anything. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting is I had that the other day where I had an interaction with someone and I was just left. I didn't realize in the interaction, in the conversation, but after I was just like, not, I was mad and I was like feeling put down and it was so tempting to just dismiss it and be like, Oh, this is just my stuff coming up or she didn't say anything, you know? And instead I did have to like sit with it for a while. And like, I like vented to a friend a bunch of long voice notes of and and that helped me like figure out like oh this behavior actually wasn't okay like it probably took me five hours after the interaction where I was like oh no this really isn't okay and like it is so much not easier but I think that we're just conditioned to like dismiss so we don't have to deal and like then we don't have to be like I've had clients say like I don't want to be you know mad or I don't want to be the angry person or I don't want to whatever and it's like but we have to in order to like figure out what was not working about that situation or like what really bothered us. Right. Yeah. And I think especially for, you know, people who are, especially women who are, I somehow am a little bit of an anomaly here, but women are, are tend to sort of be the ones to, who are conditioned to like have really permissive boundaries, right. We're the ones mm-hmm. who are, who are is conditioned to kind of turn inward, be more quiet, more sad, instead of angry, more withdrawn, instead of aggressive. And though, you know, especially those people, especially the people pleasers, the overthinkers, the per, you know, the ones who are perfectionists, the ones who don't want to cause a fire, don't want to be the mean one. They're the ones who will suffer so much from not having boundaries because they'll always come back to themselves. They'll always feel like it's something they've done or they need to fix it. You know, big ones that I hear a lot too are people um, who think they're in trouble. So the idea of, um, well, I don't want to get into trouble, right? I don't want to put this boundary in because I don't want to get into trouble. Yeah. And the I, I always say to the to those people, like, as an adult, it's actually not possible for us to get into trouble. Like, being in trouble is not a thing that adults are in. You know, um, 
even if we like speed and get pulled over by a police car, you know, there's an interaction. There's a, oh, you've broken the law. Here's a natural consequence. You're not in trouble. You just need to pay this ticket because you spent, right? Um, but if we're feeling this way and not wanting to put in a boundary, that really alerts us to like, there's a little part there that's hurt. That's very young, right? Who still thinks we're very young and is behaving out of that little part of us who thinks who would have been in trouble when we were little for doing, for standing up for ourselves, for having feelings, for demanding to be treated differently or whatever. Yeah. So I, you know, when you say that, even the police getting pulled over, I definitely noticed that feeling of like, I don't know that I would have called it that, but it's yeah. Like not like I, I I try to follow rules. Like I'm a rule follower because I don't want to like make a mistake and like, yeah, get in trouble. So you're saying that actually is a sign that like to kind of check in then and be yeah. like, what do I really want. And like, why am I kind of playing through this old narrative of getting in trouble? How do we, I think part of it though, is like boundaries can, they can, they can bring up conflict and they can yeah. cause like issues in relationships, right? Like sometimes it, we decide, you know, the, the, not the bikini example, that's probably something to look at, but sometimes it's something like, you know, my partner consistently lies and isn't honest and I don't feel like I can trust them. And so how do we set boundaries in, in times like that when it's like the boundary might mean that this relationship doesn't work for me anymore? Like, how do we deal with that? So I think that's really individual. Um, I come from a sort of place, a, a mindset of, for me, that would really depend on the factors of the relationship. So I would think that if you're just dating, like if you're only a few weeks in or a few months in and there are all these things and they're not working and the person is not open and willing to address them and talk about them and whatever, for me, I would cut my losses and run. I would just be like, no, this is not worth it. You know, if you are 10 years and three kids deep into a relationship and this is odd or new behavior and there's been a shift, I would handle that a lot differently. You know, there would be a lot of conversations because the thing with boundaries and conflict are it all comes back to communication because, you know, ideally, I think <clears throat> that in a relationship, the goal should be to support each other to be the, to be our best selves, right? That at the end of the day is like what a relationship should be really about in my opinion. It's like, I wanna be with someone who I want to support to be his best self because him at his best benefits everyone. It benefits me, it benefits the household, it benefits my kid, it benefits, right? Like when he's at his best, we all do really well. When I'm at my best, we all benefit. And, and as you're putting in this boundary, if there's open and fluid communication about this behavior is not okay for me because X, Y, Z, and our partner is deeply interested in our experience of their behavior, regardless of their intention. So that's another thing is like, sometimes there's conflict when we put in a boundary and the other person's like, well, I didn't mean it that way. Regardless of their intention, they have to be willing to listen to my experience of the behavior. So even though they thought their tone was fine, so that's a big one for me. I always get called on my tone. I have a very aggressive tone. <laughs> that's true. And that is a thing I know. And I ask a lot of questions that make people feel really interrogated, I've discovered. 
for me, I think I'm displaying curiosity. I'm like, oh, I'm so interested in you. I'm like, well, why did you do that? When did you do that? Well, why would you act like that? Here's me thinking, look at how interested I am in you. And the other person is like, you can fuck right off. Like this is, you know, so regardless of my intention, my partner is feeling interrogated. And so it's like, oh, okay. I need to hear that experience and he needs, and he needs me to stop. And so if I'm really interested in him and his experience and the relationship getting better, I'm going to listen to what's going on there. And we're going to talk about how we can address that on both sides. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that's huge because I think that's the example that a lot of people are missing and that I like for myself, it's like growing up that didn't really happen. And so then I've had to kind of learn like, oh, this is what should happen ideally. Right. And I know you like, I know, like from talking to you too, is like, that's the ideal experience that doesn't always happen. Like sometimes we get triggered and we leave for a bit, but I think the thing for me is like, do they come back? And is there that conversation at some point? Like, you know, and not like a year later, but like, right. Are they willing, maybe not in the heat of the moment, but like, do they care about how I feel? And that's so important. And then also what you said about that boundaries aren't it basically you're like, it's not black and white. It's a conversation. Like this isn't just yes. like, I want this, you want this, we follow it. It's like, it's really about understanding and then going back and forth and the like figuring it out and them wanting to know more about you and you wanting to know more about them. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, like I said, if both parties are deeply interested in the health of the relationship, Mm-hmm. after we're triggered after our step comes up after that happens it like you said it is the repair mm. right so a question that I almost always ask in almost every session I've ever had with any of my clients I said what was repair like growing up for you and almost no one had it right they like yeah. that is just such a like part of our culture that kids are treated as subhuman right as sort of like these things like these objects almost that are just should be obedient and should be like they should listen and then they tantrum and then they should just do it because I said so you know there's so few like hey how does that feel for you tell me what's going on give me your experience so we grow up not having anyone modeling that for us so we go into relationships thinking that our partner should be mind readers so that we just get to be explode and angry and then go our separate ways and come back and pretend it didn't happen right? Or one partner just shrinks mm-hmm. away. Um, or the other one that can get a little tricky too, is if our partner has had trauma in that area, then the other partner feels like they can't ask for that to be different because the partners, that's a really delicate area. But at the end of the day, that's not true. No matter what, we need to come back together and do the repair. What happened for you? What happened for me? What did that feel like for you? What did it feel like for me? What did you want from this situation? What do I want from this situation? How do we want this to look like going forward? You know, it's so interesting. Like when you describe repair in that way, it's like, I think that's what we all want in relationships. Like that's what we're all looking for is to like feel heard and to like really get to know and connect with the other person. But I think what, what happens is we just like, there's I I noticed like I can think about with my mom sometimes this has happened where like I'll we'll try to repair but like 
there's so much shame or defensiveness or whatever that comes up that it just blocks any of that. Right. Like we, we, you know, if I say something, it's like, it creates so much shame. And I know I do this too with myself. There's so much shame that then we just, we can't be, we're not open. We're just like shut down or like get angry or whatever, instead of having that like open and in that real connection with the person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's again, this balance of, you know, us working through our own shit, right? Like us being able to be like, you know, oh, I'm being triggered right now and being able to communicate that. Like, you know, one of, one of my very early therapists always is like, man, you know, it's not your fault that you got stabbed, but you can't bleed over everybody. And (laughs) I'm kind of like, that's, that's true. It's this really gentle balance of, I can't help that I'm being triggered because it's happening. It's a nervous system response. I have no control over it, but I can, I am responsible for being like, oh, I'm triggered right now. I need to just bail or I need to like take a second or I need to just be mindful within myself or maybe I need to ask for a hug, whatever your trigger response is. Um, But that needs to be managed. And then it is my responsibility to come back and like then be a little bit more aware that this conversation might trigger me again. Can I notice that? Can I be really present in my body? What's happening? What are the signs that I'm, you know, amping up? And it's this balance of your partner also because you've talked to them and they care about you being like, I know, I know that you're triggered right now. And them also working in this dance of, okay, I need to be able to say what I need to say to you. I'm going to try to be really aware of how that message is delivered. I, you know, as a receiver, I'm going to try to really manage my own neurolog or my own sort of physical response, along with being able to be open in this conversation. And again, if both parties are deeply interested in the relationship, that can happen, right? If both parties are interested in the relationship and both parties are interested in themselves, that those conversations are able to happen. Even if you come have to come back a little bit and come back a little bit and come back Yeah. And I like, like, like that you also said that it's, yeah, like you're managing yourself and it's also the uh, back and forth with the other person. Like, I think sometimes we're told that, you know, you have to like this idea of like, love yourself first that we kind of touched on when we talked earlier and like that, you know, that like, I think someone hearing this could be like, oh, well, I have to learn how to manage all my triggers all by myself, like in isolation, and then I'll be able to get into a healthy relationship. And it's like, it's a both thing. And that's what I found the hardest is like, I'll, I'll give kind of an example. So I ask for a lot of reassurance. Like I'm every day. I'm like, I joke about it, but I'm like, do you like me? Do you like me? Like, I need to be told, like, you know, I ask for a lot of reassurance. And especially if I'm like a little bit anxious or off, it's like, I can get way more. Right. And so it's this balance of like, I need to be with someone that can give me reassurance like in a, in a reasonable amount. And I also need to be able to check in and be like, okay, like what's going on with me? Why, you know, is this too much reassurance and look at how me asking for that can actually negatively influence my partner. Like I've noticed in the past, sometimes if I ask too much, it creates their doubt almost. They're like, well, does she like me? Like, is this not working for her? Like, and so it's kind of, it is this, like this dance, right. Of like communicating, like checking in with myself and knowing and then communicating. But then also for me being with someone that like, I know myself well enough now that I'm like, Oh, I do need a little bit of that. 
So if there was just someone that couldn't reassure ever, that would, wouldn't work actually. Like it would just be expecting something that's not reasonable of myself. And so I just love that it's all these pieces, right? Like it's not just one little thing. No. And that's, I think one of the really, one of the really important pieces about the boundary thing too, is that boundaries, you know, they exist in a lot of really fluid circumstances. So you know, there are days that my partner might be able to like really sit with what's going on with me and ride it out and like watch me kind of go up and down and up and down. And he has the capacity for that. And there are days that he doesn't have the capacity for that. You know, that he's like, listen, I love you. I can't do this right now. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go and to the gym or whatever. And, and the boundary is actually the same, right? It's protecting his energy. But the way it shows up is different based on how we are doing. So like, you know, there's a fluidity there. And there's also like, you know, when our partner's going through their stuff and we're supporting them and responding to their triggers and stuff, there's also a line there of what's acceptable and what's not. So like, oh, I, I think that's huge what you're saying. Cause I know a lot of like the clients that I tend to have are more people pleasing and like give a lot and like they'll put up with too much bad behavior and I know I like I've done this lots where it's like they they don't actually have the capacity to put up with and shouldn't be putting up with like the reasons that they're putting up with the behavior aren't like good healthy reasons actually but then they're so drained and exhausted and they're like oh what's wrong with me or I'm too needy and it's like no you're just really tired right like it's just too much Yes. yes and that's again that requires a lot of sort of self-reflection, especially with that one, because that one's more tricky because, you know, it's sort of like, okay, w- there's a difference between my partner struggling and my partner behaving poorly. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm often the one who does that in my own relationship. I'm the one who behaves poorly. Um, and so, you know, it, and it's really, I was going to say a few weeks ago, um, something really set me off. I can't remember now what it was. Um, it doesn't matter. But I was like, my partner immediately was like, oh, like what's happening for you right now? And I was like, oh, it's like this and this and this. And he was like, good with me, good with me, good with me. Like as I sort of like was a little bit short and a little bit huffy and like going around the house. And then I said something that was mean at him like I I was trying to hook him and I almost could watch it happen but it just you I hadn't quite I couldn't quite catch it so to speak and he immediately was like oh no that's mean you can't speak to me that way and he's supporting me in both right Mm -hmm. in sort of tolerating my having the capacity to like watch me be huffy but not personally right and like go around the house or whatever and then as soon as I as soon as I was mean and directly aggressive with him, it was like, oh no, you don't get to treat me like that. And that's, you know, that's not only protecting him, but it's also by protecting his own self energy identity, blah, blah, blah. I was able to be like, oh, you're right. I can't treat people this way. So it was a lesson for both of us, right? That boundary taught both of us in that moment. And actually that was enough to snap me into like, oh yeah, I've, I've, this has gone too far and I immediately you know I was in a place where I immediately was like oh you're right I'm really sorry like this you know and then we were able to kind of talk about what was happening but you know for the people pleasers out there (laughs) boundaries actually help other people 
you know, you're teaching other people as well. So that, that I'm sure that meets that need on some level too, but, um, founders are always, like I said, about protecting self. Um, and we can protect ourselves and support our partner. Like those things can happen, you know, even if that support is like, you don't get to speak to me like that. Because yeah. that's actually supporting me to be like, oh yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't treat people like this. And if I want relationships that I want, I need to behave differently. Yeah. You know, I think that that's such a good point because I think that that like is what really, you know, when you, when you described a relationship as two people that both like um help to kind of make each other their best selves like yeah. it's like that's the goal right is you want to be with someone who like you can support and you want to be your best like both right and it helps both people be better boundaries are one of the things that do that because it does kind of tell us like what are my limits here and I find for me it, it makes me feel also safe is a weird word but like you can trust like when someone when they set about like in a healthy way and they're like hey this you know it's not acceptable to talk to me in this way I can trust them actually because I know that hey if there's an issue here they're gonna talk to me about it I don't have to worry about them just like hiding stuff or like going behind my back it's like oh no they have the emotional capacity and ability to set boundaries and when we don't have that, we have a lot of lying and stuff, you know, cheating. And, and that's when that happens is when we don't set boundaries or we can't deal with anything like that. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny because that's actually the exact same thing that happens with kids. Like that's why it's so important to follow through with either consequences or things that you say, because, you know, if I'm like, Hey, in five minutes, we're leaving the park. And we don't leave the park in five minutes, even if because he's pitching a fit. If I don't manage my own feelings of my own discomfort over him crying, right? If I prioritize my own discomfort because he's crying and I can't tolerate it, what's going to happen is he is going to stop believing me. So it's actually much more harmful, like hurtful um, to be like, we're going to leave the park in five minutes, even if he's pitching a fit. And then be like, okay, never mind. We'll just stay another two minutes. Because he's going to stop trusting that that boundary is secure, right? So in the moment, you might be like, oh, thanks, blah, 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 blah. But actually, long term, it's like, oh, if we're always caving, how can we trust our parents to do, say, mean the things are going to mean when it really matters? Like when we're in trouble as a teenager, you know, or we're calling to be like, oh, you know, come pick me up. I'm in trouble or whatever. Um, you know, that boundary will feel less secure and less safe. So it's just like, and that starts in childhood, right? Like that, 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 you know, if I say we're leaving in five minutes, we're leaving in five minutes, you know? And if, for whatever reason, if we decide that we do want to stay, cause I want to stay being like, Hey buddy, I know that I said we were going to leave in five minutes. Mommy's changed her mind. You know, we're going to stay another five minutes cause I want to do this and I'd like you to do this or whatever. You know, and I try really hard not to do that ever. Even if I want to stay longer, if he's pitching a fit, I try not to stay anyway, because, you know, there's, like I said, he needs to learn that even though he's having big feelings, I can manage those, that that's, that's something I can do and that he can trust that I'm going to be able to manage those feelings. And that's another boundary that's set between, you know, parents and kids. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, you know, when you talk about it, like starting in childhood, and then when you said that you're like, most of your clients didn't have, you know, like repair or like any of these skills, 
it for me it helps because it makes so much sense why I struggled so badly for so long in so many unhealthy relationships it's like I just had no idea like I didn't know what healthy even looked like so then you know I'm trying to implement these concepts like oh I need to set a boundary but what like I didn't know what that even was yeah or how it felt right or even the signs like you said about like the getting in trouble and that being a sign of like oh I'm an adult now okay what's going on here like I can't actually get in trouble like all of these things that then really impact like how happy and how like how good relationships feel or don't feel for us and how like frustrating they can be yeah and you know I think that's really huge because if we grew up insecurely attached we actually have no felt sense of what a healthy relationship is. So it's not, it's almost not possible for us to choose healthy relationships because we don't know how they feel. Do you, I have this case. So I went to um like a mental health provider a while, like I, this is years ago. And I was like, I'm like, I was talking about a partner. I'm like, I just don't trust them. And she's like, oh, there should be like a felt sense. But I couldn't, I and I now I know what you know when you say that it's like now I've been in I've practiced enough healthy relationships and like I use my friends a lot to be like oh I know that like I just trust her this is how it feels when I trust someone but I didn't know that then like I thought I was like oh I'm just supposed to trust but it just was so confusing and it's confusing because we we don't know actually we don't have those examples and we don't know how to do that but I think the thing is we can learn them. It just takes a while, right? Like it's possible to then learn. Like now I do have more of that sense. And I know that I still will go back. Like if I'm really triggered or whatever, like I have to kind of remind myself, right. It should sound like this. You know, when we were giving that example of like, he should care about how I feel like really basic things that didn't happen for me growing, you know, like didn't happen or they didn't happen consistently. And so then we don't, you know, it it sounds like, yeah, of course, like you should care about how you feel, but like, we don't, we literally have to learn it, which I love that we can learn it. But like, I think that that's such a miss thing is that people think we should just know, or we should just know how to set a boundary or just be like that. And it's like, it's all, even you are like, you know, you've done this work forever and it's like, you're still learning stuff, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, I think the other piece of this too, that's really important to acknowledge is that you know, if we did grow up insecurely, um, like attached, um, there's, there's, so there's two pieces that I really want to touch on here. And one of them is that, you know, when we grow up insecurely attached, we will look for, we will look from our partners, what we didn't get as kids. We'll look for that mm. from our partners, right? The love, the connection, the whatever, but we will choose partners that feel familiar. So like we want something different, but when we happen to get into a relationship that's not for us, that's not healthy and supportive, the nervous system is like, oh no, this is what relationships feel like, because it feels like we did when we were growing up and that was insecure and we didn't get what we needed. And our, you know, our parents didn't sort of, they weren't emotionally intelligent in some ways or whatever. And so we are also battling our nervous system that's telling us like, no, this is familiar and predictable and comfortable. And this is what love is by being like, no, 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 actually it isn't what this is. It just feels that way. Right. And then markers for me often for that are people who have what I call sort of like uh, 
like chaotic love. So people will be like, I use love really loosely there. But like people often are like, oh, if we're not like crazy in love and then fighting like cats and dogs and like crazy in love, then it's like, then it's not for me. And it's like, that's not how it's supposed to go, right? But that might be how it felt growing up. Right, that things are really unpredictable and really chaotic, and then kind of like everybody's cold and silent treatment and went their own way, and 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 so our nervous system will look for the patterns that felt really growing up. So not only do we have to learn that skill, but we're also sort of battling our own nervous system that's telling us that this is what it should be like. So there's this whole other piece of it, and then the other half of that is also like people are really protective of their parents, right? People have a hard time realizing that you can grow up in a beautiful house, have your parents like buy you birthday presents, throw birthdays, always have food for you, take you on amazing vacations, be excited about school, blah, blah, blah. And if you, they weren't also relationally and emotionally intelligent, you could be insecurely attached, right? It doesn't need to be bad or chaotic or, you know, have like, you know, someone who's incarcerated in the home or someone struggling with addiction. Like it doesn't need to look like that to not know how to have emotionally mature relational skill, right? It can be something as simple as like not repairing in the home, right? Which can happen in any kind of looking home. And it's also about acknowledging that we can have a great, no one can see me doing air quotes, I guess. (laughs) Great air quote, childhood. And, um, and still not have the relational skill we need to get into the relationships we want or, or be able to ask, for our partner like those things can both exist yeah I think yeah you're so right because lots of times people dismiss like it'll be like you know like our family really impacts our relationships so almost all like I would find that family always comes up when I'm talking to people about their romantic relationships because it so impacts and like they'll sort of dismiss and be like well it wasn't that bad or like dismiss themselves and like I shouldn't be this way and The thing is, it's not, I think people think then it's like blame, like when I talk about it, but it's more just factual. Like, that's what we're really getting is like, hey, if I never learned to repair because it wasn't in the house, like always, if we step back and look at then like my parents' parents, it's like, yeah, it's the same for them, right? Like my mom also never learned to repair. Actually, it was worse, but that's, you know, like it's usually like that. And it's not about blame, but it's just about, yeah, if you didn't learn, then you won't know how to do it. Like that's, it's not, no, it's not anyone's like, well, I don't want to say not anyone's fault, but like, it's just the facts. Right. And then I think too, that a lot of like times it's hard when other people aren't taking um, accountability. Like if, you know, if we have a parent who's like, yeah, you're right. Like I, I didn't show up for you how I should have. And I, you know, I wish that I had, and I'm sorry, just like the, the, you know, acceptance that that happened. But a lot of the time, this shame and defensiveness gets in the way for people. And then, you know, we, we almost just like, like parrot what the parent says of like, well, it wasn't that bad, or I did this for you or whatever. And we don't, so it's hard for us to kind of accept, I think then too. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that again comes back to the responsibility of managing our own feelings Hmm. because parents, they get defensive because they don't want to feel the hurt that they would feel in the acknowledgement of they didn't do a great job, right? Like in this area. Yeah. And so they would rather protect themselves from that hurt than repair the relationship, not consciously, 
not because they're shitty people, not because that's conscious, but it's just because no one ever taught them how to regulate their own feelings. Yeah. Right? Like I have so many, I have so many clients who just were like, go to your, like, who were told like, go to your room. And when you're come, when you're feeling better, come back. Right. Or when their parent was angry, their parent left and then came back happy. Right. There was all of this modeling of like, go away by yourself, but we can't. Children cannot self-regulate. That's not a thing. Children have to have regulation models. They have to, at some point in their life, be co-regulated with so that they can learn to explore that within themselves. Yeah. So you're saying that like, even as adults, we're, we shouldn't just be able to manage our emotions. Like we shouldn't have that expectation that we just know how to manage our emotions. It's something we have to learn how to do. Absolutely. If no one, you know, if you were as a very young kid being told like, stop crying, like grow up, baby up, man up, grow up, whatever those, you know, or it was like, go to your room, figure it out, come back or your, you had parents who modeled going to your room, or even like if your parent, like, you know, sat with you and was like, oh, like, don't cry, it's okay, and was like, you know, kind, again, I'm using a lot of air quotes, so can see. Um, it, it's not enough, right? It, there needs to be that next step of parents needing to really put their selves in, like, themselves in, the, in their kids' shoes, and then explain to the kids why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Because kids mm. need to be taught why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Which sounds silly, but is it? Like, you know, oh, my kid broke his truck, I don't know, like a year ago now, almost. And his truck was broken and he was fucking bawling. And it, it took me a minute because my initial response, because the way I grew up, was like, fucking figure it out. Like, now you don't have a truck. Should have been more careful. If I take a step back and put myself in his shoes, his whole world is the room that he lives in. His whole world is the room that he's in. That's what his little brain is. So he has six toys and that's it. If his truck broke, it's devastating. It would be like if someone made me a one of a kind thing that I loved and engaged with every day and there's only one of it in the world and it shattered. And this person was dead who made it. I was like, oh, that would be devastating. And I, so I sat with him and I was like, buddy, I'm really sorry your toy broke. It must be so devastating to lose something that was the, your favorite thing and the only one in the house. I'm so sorry. And I just, instead of fixing, instead of being like, oh, we can go get another one. There's lots of the store. It's okay, right? I just was like, yeah, we get to feel really sad about losing, in his perception, the only thing that we had that we loved, you know, and then when the feeling would move through and he had kind of turned it around and regulated with me, then we were like, hey, actually, we can go and look for a different one. But if no one sits down with these kids and does that, then as an adult, as a teenager, as a young kid, as an adult, how, like, when he has those feelings... I can't just expect him to be like, oh, yes, I get to feel very sad about this because it was something I loved and I lost it, which sounds like you said, so simple on the surface. But if that stuff doesn't happen, our internal narrative becomes the one our parents taught us, right? We just assume mm -hmm. those narratives. Like th those just become ours. That's another question I always say to 
someone when they're like, oh, well, I, I should just suck it up. I'm like, whose voice is that? Where have you heard that? Right. Oh, it was my mom. I heard that growing up. But now it's ours. And we forget yeah. that it was not. And like, I don't even know, you know, when you're saying that it's like some, cause I was thinking about like, when you're talking about the truck, I definitely felt that way about breakups. Like I felt like my reaction to breaks up breakups were disproportionate to what was happening, which actually wasn't useful for me to think. Like I really, I like now looking back, I realized that I just didn't know how to feel those feelings of disappointment and like figure out like what I'm making this mean. Like I meant, you know, like what, why is this bothering me so much? Like what, you know, and I'd make it mean like there's something wrong with me, there's whatever. And then because I couldn't feel those feelings, I would get into like anxiety and depression actually, because I couldn't feel like I didn't know how to process that initial thing. And so it, it's so interesting when you talk about like in the family, what happened. And for me, it was just, I think the ignoring of things like there wasn't a dialogue or words that happened but it was just like you're supposed to be fine that was you know the underlying message and it's like oh it makes so much sense even now when I do stuff sometimes that same message is there like I'm just supposed to be fine all the time right and then I get angry and resentful about that actually but that's right it's so interesting and with relationship, there's even another level. Cause like my kid just lost a toy, which was devastating for him, but yeah. he has connections in the house that he can fall back on for connection, love, support. If we don't have those deep connections growing up and we don't feel seen, heard, interested in whatever, then any relationship that we get into, the nervous system is like, we have to make this work. Like it, and the pain of losing one of the only connections that we have is so devastating that it feels intolerable. So of course your brain is busy being like, I, we can't, this can't happen because I can't survive the pain of losing connection because we need some, Yeah, right? we have human systems. We absolutely need connection. So there's another even layer with relationships there where it's like incredibly devastating. And if we aren't, if we don't have other deep, fulfilling kind connections and we haven't been taught that, then losing those relationships are, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's a society where it makes it worse too, because like, we're sort of, you know, like the hyper-independence and whatever is like, kind of, you know, we shouldn't need anyone and all of that. But when you said it's like, we do need deep connection. And it's so interesting to me too, that like, you know, like we started off kind of talking about boundaries and it's like, you need to do this, this other work almost and like figure out yourself and like where, you know, where all these things coming from before you can kind of even set the boundary. Like it's kind of a, we're a both, I guess, like a back and forth. Right. And, you know, even in that, you know, some people's only experience of a healthy, supporting, loving relationship is within the context of therapy. Yeah. Right. And even in that boundary modeling is really powerful so I was in an ethics course a while ago and we were talking about in private practice having people having like people are like well what do I do with my address like I don't like I I work from home and I was like oh man my clients have my cell phone number like my personal cell phone number they have my address they have my social media and there was people who were like, oh my God, like, how do you, like, what happens if they text you in the middle of the night or they send you like a million text messages or a million memes or whatever? And I was like, oh, well, I, I have boundaries. 
Like I teach my clients what it's like to have a healthy relationship by being like, yeah, you're absolutely free to message me at any point in the day in the universe at any time. Whether I respond or not is different. Like you'll hear back from me within 24 to 48 hours, but I won't respond to you at three in the morning. Yeah. And and I just want to like, so that's, I think so huge because that's the boundary thing where it's like, you let the other person, like they can message anytime and you actually don't have an issue. You're like, yeah, I don't, it's just totally fine. But you're, you get to decide for you when you respond to that. And it's not in a controlling way of like, well, if you don't, you know, if you message me, I'm just not going to message you back. It's just that you decide, Hey, these are the hours that I work. These are when I respond to messages and it's really a neutral thing. Right. And that's like the perfect, that's what you want for boundaries. Yes. And that's, and that's, you need other people to learn that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's you huge. Yeah. Cannot, you cannot, you know, this whole self-love thing is really tough for me because on one hand, yes, you are responsible for doing your own work and you're accountable to your own behavior and you need to explore yourself and learn your triggers and whatever. Yes. And you know, you can't get all your needs met by other people. That's true. But said, and you absolutely need relationships. You need, you need someone to love you so that you know what that feels like. You need someone to model boundaries so that you know what having boundaries feels like. You need to, you know, you need someone who sees you, listens to you, and is empathetic with you so you know what it feels like to be seen and heard. Yeah. You, know, you can't learn that alone. That's insane. <laughs> Just like, yeah. So like even something yeah. within the context of the therapeutic relationship, even though there is an inherent power balance there, which needs to be really delicately managed. Um, It's a relationship. And if you don't feel cared about by me at work, you know, um, that's a problem, you know, and that, and like I said, the boundaries of like, I don't control their behavior, right? They can behave in any way they want. I just control the way I interact with that. And like you said, not in a manipulative way, I don't like wait for my client to text me like I'm not going to answer for three hours now, right? Like that is not a thing that happens. You know what's so funny when you say that is that's some of the dating advice, right? It's like, if you, yeah, I know. It's like, whoa, what are you doing? Like you see it and you have to wait, whatever, you know, three hours, three days. Like it just is, yeah. And you know, bored again, that's, that's like a patriarchal thing too. Like, oh, women, it's almost always targeted at women, that advice. It's like, well, you can't seem too needy. I'm sorry, what the fuck? Like, needy? Yes, this is a relationship. I'm a thousand percent needy. Yeah. Like, that. that is absolutely something I get to be in a relationship that has a series of needs that are met. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what what it's for, right? Like, that's why you're in it, is to do that. Think about how crazy it is for someone to be like, wait three days to respond. You can't seem too interested. Like, what the fuck is the, like, I, I expect my partner of like a million years now to be deeply interested in all the time. I want him to be interested in me all the time. I want to get off work and I want him to be like, how was your day? You know? And even though with my job, I obviously can't be like, oh, well, if this person said this and this and this and this, sometimes I'm like, oh my God. I feel like I got hit by a semi and I need you to make me soup and not speak to me for 30 minutes. But I want him to like, right? It's insane. And and at the beginning of a, and we've been together forever. At the beginning of a relationship in the honey, in the honeymoon period, 
it's crazy to me that it's like, well, don't seem too interested. No, seem uh, very interested. Be like, yeah. yes, hello. I, I want you to text me as we're walking away from the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to know you liked it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I want you to be like, yes, I liked you. Let's see, let's see each other again. Or like, hey, thanks uh, for the game. It wasn't for me. Either way, why the fuck are we wasting three hours? Yeah. And you know, too, it's like you want someone that can that is also willing to work on learning these skills and is willing to work on like learning how to repair and learning how to like how to communicate and all of that. And like that, if if they're not showing that in the beginning, that's a problem. Right. Like it's like if they're not, you know, regularly communicating or not. You know, one of the things you just when you gave that example, too, is you like shared about your day and you shared what you needed. You were like, hey, don't you know. I had a crazy day. I need this and I need to just be left alone for 30 minutes. That's what people should be doing, right? Not this like disappearing, right? It's like communicating like this is, you know, and it's a reasonable time frame too. It's 30 minutes. It's not, you know, I'll see you in three weeks for no reason, right? (laughs) Like, Yeah. And again, it comes the back and forth of like knowing that your own boundaries. So if I were to say to my partner, I'm leaving for three weeks randomly with no explanation yeah. it would translate into which um it would be within his you know he like he doesn't get to say you can't leave for three weeks but what he can say is solo parenting or something or like being here alone and, and you just going for three weeks doesn't work for me I can't manage all of that yeah what are we going to do together to get both of our needs met? Totally. And I think that's a great place to end because that's how we want to set boundaries. Is like you, okay, I don't need to control you, but like I can also communicate what I need and I need to do that in order for us to figure this out. Like I can't just tell myself like, oh, I don't want to control him. You know, it shouldn't bother me. It's like, no, I need closeness. So how can we navigate this together? Like how can we figure it out? Yes. And that's, you know, coming all the way full circle to the Jonah Hill things, yeah. you know, that's, you know, if, if you are at an impasse, if your boundaries conflict, it's about coming together to be like, okay, how can we make this work? Because yeah. Like- and that would have been so different if he'd been like, whatever, like, I feel insecure when you're posting these bikini photos, like, can we talk about this or can that would have been a totally different thing than what he did, right? Yes, yes. And that and that's, you know, there are unsolvable problems in relationships, but like if you are listening to each other, that's, you know, that's half the battle. Yeah. Because I'm always like my other big thing is like I don't really think anybody should compromise in relationships. I don't believe in compromise, uh, which is a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but I think that people should collaborate. So like cleaning our house, unsolvable problem. I'm not willing to clean. I just think it's a waste of my time and my time is really precious and I hate it. And Luke's like, I cannot keep the house clean alone. And I'm like, well, I'm not willing to clean it. And so what we did is we moved some money. We both moved money that we had in this account that was towards something that we neither of us actually really cared about that much, pulled it out, and now someone comes and cleans our house every two weeks. Neither of us now clean the house. Right? That was something where both our boundaries were like, I was like, no, I'm not going to use my energy on that. And he's like, this is taking too much of my energy. And so we were both like, oh, let's 
let's find an area where like, you know, there's some extra money or some extra whatever where neither of us really care about that thing. We'll just pull it out. And now, and it is so much better for both of us. And that was a conflicting boundary and neither of us gave. We just collapsed. Right. It was sort of like, but it's talking. Right. And that's the thing is I think sometimes we think that like, the you know setting the boundary will end the relationship but it's like if that's what's happening then there's communication issues there already like there's already something that's not working very likely right like usually there's some kind of like that like some sort of solution right that you can come up with or or a collaboration (laughs) that's better than (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah it's like again yeah so knowing that boundary piece is about protecting you and what you're willing to do, what you're willing to give, what you're willing to tolerate, right? Boundaries teach other people how to treat us. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, I'm super excited to do this workshop. Yeah, me too. Okay. So I'll put the details like in the show notes of this when I do it. And yeah, well, you'll be here in like a, just over a month, I guess. Yeah. This will be great. And it'll be good too, because we'll have lots of open discussion and talking like it's not going to be us like talking at the people but a lot of like let's work through some of these boundary issues with people and like figure them out so then people leave having done work and having kind of knowing better themselves and like how to set boundaries and and how they want to approach it yes tell everybody to come bring their examples and we'll just talk through everyone's examples yeah I love it (laughs) okay thank you so much thanks Robin